So I went through the wars, went through the pandemic. Now I'm homeschooling my kids, right? So I'm like, no one's holding me. But nature was like, I'm holding you. In the waterfalls, I'm holding you, you know? In the lakes, I'm, it was just like, oh, thank God for nature. Because all this change that everybody, all of us are going through would have been hard, harder, <laughs> you know? Yali, no te Hello, my friends, and welcome to Decolonize Everything, Season 2, Episode 4. My name is Rebecca Mendoza-Nunziato, your host and conversation partner. It is late August, and I am back on Pawtucket and Massachusetts land, also known as Cambridge and Somerville in Massachusetts. And it's my birthday this week which means that it is also the birthday of this podcast. Decolonize Everything is turning two. Thank you all so much for being a part of this journey. It's been such a joy to be a part of this ongoing, rolling conversation that is this podcast. I've been learning from all of you. I've been learning on social media. I've been able to really sit and soak in the knowledge, wisdom, insights, and inquiries of folks that have joined me on and off the show. And the truth is, when I started the show, I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) I mean, it's still true, right? I don't know what I don't know. And looking back and listening to some of the older episodes, it's easy to cringe or think, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. I should have known better. I should have said that better or said that differently or edit that differently. And also, this is part of the methodology. This is part of a more liberative approach to learning together. I remember listening to Kim Talbert talk about taking an approach to tweeting as learning in community, as a feminist and indigenous way of practicing thinking in a more public communal space. And that's sort of what this podcast is. And thank you for pushing me and inviting me to think more and deeper and to learn the things that I didn't even know that were missing. Always space for critique, call in, call out, improvement, transformation. Happy birthday, decolonize everything. Today's episode is featuring Johanna Guevara of Dropping Seeds. And you'll hear a little bit more about Dropping Seeds and Johanna. And I will, of course, continue to plug this at the end. But please go to dropping-seeds.com and check out the amazing collection. Uh, I really enjoyed the pre-rolls as well as the herbal blends for teas. Highly recommend checking all of this out. There's so many beautiful options. And I'm currently sipping a beautiful herbal tea called Sun. So hopefully, if you're in a good place to do so, you can grab some tea, light some incense, a candle, take a moment to breathe, and maybe notice any plant relatives or other wonderful entities who are nearby. All right, it's time to kick off the episode. Yeah, 
so thank you again. I'm really excited to hear both your story and all the things you've been thinking about, all the good work you're doing. And so I think it makes sense to start with just an introduction of who you are, the work that you're doing, and the things that you're up to in the world. Hi, my name is Johanna Guevara. I am a urban herbalist, homeschool mom, and human on this planet. So thank you so much, Rebecca. I think this is an amazing opportunity to be able to share and to like cross-reference also what we both learn and other people are learning together about this subject because it just feels like it's falling together from all these different angles. And it's such a, you know, it's not one specific event or one specific change or one specific solution. It's like how we view the world that needs to change when we say decolonize. Um, for me, it started with plants. It was like, I need to connect with plants and now I need to connect everybody else with plants. And little did I know that X amount of years later, we're in a state where we're really about our health because of the pandemic that, wow, it's such an important part of society understanding plant medicine. Why don't I understand it? What made me coming from South America, coming from Colombia, an immigrant, born down there, not understand anything about what my grandmother's been doing. But I didn't look at it because, you know, I went to a doctor or told to go to a doctor. Who told me to go to the doctor? That's where it was like, wait a That's minute, a good what's question. going on? <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing, you know, it's amazing because decolonize, I guess from my immediate bloodline is like, wow, the last 800 years, like what shifted in terms of who we were to where we are now? And I, it's not working, <laughs> you know, it's not working. So I think the pandemic put this like big humongous spotlight on all the different sections of society that it's not working. And each time is like, oh, wait a minute, we've done things differently before. We've done healthcare differently before. We've done, you know, communal living differently before. We've done marriages differently before. We've done, you know, leadership, economy, like, wait, what? We, why can't we bring this back? You know, so that's for me what decolonize means. In my day-to-day -day, though, <laughs> it means <laughs> I homeschool my children. We're in our third year homeschooling. I would say that's one of the biggest decolonizing paths because I can, you know, bitch about society, but then I send my kids to the system that is teaching them what is the right society and what's the wrong society. You know, they're still teaching, at least in New York City public schools, Columbus discovered America. That's still a curriculum. So it's like, wait a minute, we need to change that. Decolonizing medicine, that's just being with the plants, you know, our diets, um, our uh, understanding of what we put inside of us or even growing the plants. Oh my God, talk about connection to land, connection to the magic behind the personalities that is like lavender and skullcap and rosemary and all these different ones that also called manzanilla and romero and you know ones that our grandmothers would speak about all the time, all the time. Why are we using them? You know, so connecting people and plants is my mission right now. For sure. Oh, there's so much good stuff in there. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I loved what you said about really, I mean, looking back 800 years, right? Like as a starting place, because I think we've 
we've so bought in collectively to this lie of like modernity and the future and progress is all about you know this kind of forward motion through linear quote-unquote time <laughs> and it's oh, yeah, like wait rabbit hole. wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like we we knew these things right like we knew these things like you said your grandmother you know knew the plans right like our ancestors worked with the plans and so I'm curious kind of if there was a pivotal moment when you started to turn kind of so to speak back to look back to uh maybe what what some of us have forgotten I think the pivotal moment was in 2008 and the economy went into some craziness with the bubble, the real estate bubble thing. And whatever I was working on during, I lost it all. And it was just like, all right, I was young enough, I was 28. So I was like, let me do something different. So flew off and in kind of my travels, that's when I got connected to plant medicine. So plant medicine was definitely, ceremonies was definitely something that was like, wait a minute, this, this is familiar. What is this? This is like, it feels like in me, you know, why did my family not do this? You know, um, that was one. And then the next one was getting pregnant and then just, you know, becoming a mom, the pregnancy uh, journey is so like mind boggling to the mind, to the human the female vessel. You realize, wow, I can do what? Like I can feed and give medicine and grow. And like, it's just, very powerful it was like no wonder they burned us no wonder they killed us you know no wonder they were like no these bitches too strong we can't let them know you know and it's like oh i love that when you spoke about those two pivotal moments between uh plant medicine and pregnancy that there's actually really similar language and really similar kind of transformation like you talked about growth and and connection and all these things that you think whoa like why did why didn't I know about this or what this is amazing you know um so I'm curious like how even that leads into relationships with plants not as kind of this very separate like we are human and you are plants kind of relationship would you speak a little bit about that I thought it was always funny that people were like plants are not alive and I'm like what how are they not alive they're growing they're multiplying we ain't doing anything they're just doing it like they're breaking through the concrete what do you mean they're not alive you know, I remember, I think it was like four or five years ago, I hired a PR company and they didn't understand me. They definitely were coming more from a very non-POC uh, Western medicine perspective. They were not like listening to what I'm saying. One of the things I would say was the plants talked to me and they were like, don't say that. Don't say that out loud. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But they do. So even show up when you need them. You know what I mean? If you start like really looking at each one as a personality and you're like, oh, little rosemary, a little lavender, a little skull cap or little lemon balm, a little, you're like, they all have a personality and they'll just start popping up. People give them to you or all of a sudden it's growing down the block and you're like, why do I keep seeing this plant? You know, I've experienced that it amplified, especially when COVID started. It like triple flat. I was like, oh my God, all the plants are talking. You know, for me, it was like, um, so a lot of yerba buena started growing in the backyard of my parents' house. And that helps antibacterial. It was like very for calming the nerves, for like warming the space. A lot of oregano also came through. That's also for the respiration and stuff. Um, we also went through a death in the family. And there was a lot of chamomile that started coming through. That was like for the stomach and the emotions and the grieving, a lot of catnip. 
a skull cap also. And I was just like, wow, they're really just showing up and just kind of like, here, you're going through this. This is the balance, you know? So yeah. Wow. I think parents definitely talk. And it's, and, and all of that that you described is, is really, I think, an awareness that you bring to see that plants are, are our relatives, right? And that they're our guides, they're part of our community. A big question, you know, for, for me, and I think for a lot of folks trying to go on this decolonial path and rethink what we've been taught is, okay, so what does it mean for me to show up for plants? You know, what does it mean for me to show up for, for these relatives as well? So how, how do you think about that with your work? Oh, that's where the whole just understanding the importance of nature and how we must incorporate it. The, the aim shouldn't be to understand rosemary down to its molecular structure so that you can patent it and sell it for a trillion dollars. The aim should be that every child, when they're born, they'll learn about plants and be like, oh, I have a tummy ache. Let's do some chamomile. Oh, I'm like really nervous today. Let's do some lavender. Oh, lemon balm feels really calming in the winter months. You know, like it's, it's a language and a survival skill that we need to do. Um, and it's not for the sake of mon- like uh, monetizing it because it, it's more for the sake of truth survival at this point straight up survival evolution you know like we must evolve at this point and it can't continue in that old way of like just profiting right right it's kind of delinking that I I think our consciousness from capitalism right like the assumptions of why do we do what we do well it's it's not to make money it's not to patent it it's not to Mm -hmm. as you said um to to, I think about it kind of as, as dissecting it what like what are our intentions when we're trying to mm-hmm. understand these plans yeah. right are we like you said trying to patent it trying to make money off of it are we really trying to be in a good relationship and and you when you mentioned like a dream of you know children learning what to do for a stomach ache um yeah. wow like what a thought you know i mean <laughs> you know and not just having to turn to you know Walgreens and like things in plastic and I mean I am a hundred percent a person that like goes to the pharmacy and like looks at the shelves and like tries to figure out how to be well you know it's just like what I've that's learned that's what they taught life. us yeah exactly. that's what they taught us yeah this exactly. is a responsible thing to do this yeah. is what you do <laughs> yeah yeah and so tell me a little bit about what that's been like with your own children as kind of being able to have an opportunity to, you know, from a very young age, invite a different thinking about, about our bodies? Well, I think, yeah, in having the journey of homeschooling, it was such a big space to really look at things and say, how can this be different? You know, I didn't, I'm not limited by what it needs to be. I'm more understanding of what I, the steps that need to happen in order to have them grow and learn, you know, at the end of the day, even education right now is completely colonized because the biggest thing I had to relearn was measurements of success. What are my measurements of success? You know, in the school system, it's like, oh, they have to learn by six and they have to be able to pass this test and they have, in reality, it's like, I love to do this and this. So I'm going to follow this path and learn how to be a blah, 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 blah. Right. That's really what gets most of us through when we like fall in love into something. And the current education system, they're just creating factory workers. That's how it started. You know, even before the factory workers, it was only for landowners and their white boys. 
you know? So the only reason why they even created the education system is to create factory workers, you know? And at this point, it doesn't create leaders, it doesn't create innovators, it doesn't create the future. That's, we're losing them quickly, you know? We have to decolonize education so that we don't lose our youth. Wow. I, I was so enchanted by the idea that education could be about falling into love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you said, like into all these different, like what a thought, you know, and I think, um, you know, hopefully most of us have at least glimpsed that in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form, even in these colonized systems is like the things that, that capture us and kind of call mm-hmm. to us, you know, these invitations to learn. But so, like you said, so often that gets kind of beat out of us in one way or another. And also thinking about education, um, both as, as creating factory workers, yeah. <laughs> And also mm-hmm. as a colonizing religious project, right? Like that mm-hmm. these are the ways to like think, to believe what is morality, uh, what is truth, like all of these things. And I think about that a lot in terms of decolonization is uh, the things that we're taught to, that are unquestioned, you know, that we cannot well, question. Just even think about it. We all, well, majority of the world lives on this calendar, Gregorian calendar that says 2022, which is based on Jesus being born 2022 years ago. Like we're all agreeing on this timeline that is actually not part of all of our lineages that no, we no. didn't pray to this. We didn't believe in this. This it was all these other ones that are more, I think, um, earth-based, you know, with astrology, with the earth elements, you know, like seriously, the, the earth had its own religion in a way, you know, yes. Yes. and you can and find it all over the world. Exactly. Right. And I think especially, I think folks are starting to pay attention, uh, myself included to, you know, the different moments in the year that that are largely ignored by our Gregorian calendar, but that are how folks built ceremonies and how we built our buildings and our and our, our shared spaces were about where the sun was, where the moon was, where the stars were. We built our cities based on like a connection with the cosmos, right? So I grew up in in Colorado. So I grew up with, with lots of, like lots of space, right? Like it was in so many ways, it was what was normal. It was just a kind of open lands. And mm-hmm. of course that land has, has faced a lot of, I think a lot of harm through the way that the land has been ranched and now is developed and gentrification and the kind of sub the like sprawling suburbs, like all these things are really challenging. Um, but, you know, I've, I've loved being able to be close to the mountains and to just like the sites and to see, you know, just amazing, amazing creatures. And so moving, <laughs> moving to Boston. Has been mm, a really oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have to keep reminding myself that indigenous people have lived in cities like we've we've made urban we've made urban um communities before and it doesn't look like I'm not saying Boston is one of those at all (laughs) but I'm just trying to remember like there is a way to relate well in an urban context and so Mm. I'm curious with your urban experience especially coming back like after you sort of started to think about some of these questions how do you show up in an urban space like how do you figure out how to be in relationship in these areas 
yeah, no, an urban space is really hard. It is extremely hard. Um, I'm though grateful that I think in the last five to 10 years in New York City, there's been more movement to having more green spaces. So, um, and then for also businesses to have more of a participation and if they, you know, like the IKEA warehouse in Brooklyn, they created like a whole green space right next to it. Um, there's a lot of situations happening like that. So I think I'm grateful for New York City to have put emphasis on that. Um, there are also ways, everybody's in a different direction. You know, you want that Southern light. And I think if you research what space in your apartment has that Southern light, put all your plants there, you know, start growing your plants. I've grown some amazing things in inside apartments. They don't last the whole time because you then have the heat in the winter and it just, you know, it's not the best um, growing condition. But my God, like we just have to grow. We like one of the things that I am actually working on is I want to create medicinal gardens, you know, just straight up medicinal gardens where the kids come through and do programming for kids and families and multiple languages, you know, because it's I think a language that we need to learn again, you know, and it's not that hard. I think, especially if you're a child or a very creative person, like plants speak to you in their color and their shape, where they grow also in their taste, you know, like some of them are pungent. So you're like, mm, it's like sour, you know, or some of them are sweet, like, ooh, stevia, you know, or some of them have like a soothing, like, you know, let's say, uh, what is one like lavender, you know, it's just, they all have a different effect and the child is not pre, uh, the child is still not colonized in the medicinal way of Western medicine yet, you know, it's, the child is still more in like, from a Western perspective in fantasy world, like they're still very creative. From an indigenous perspective, no, they're connected to the different vibrations of what the representation of this plant is. That's amazing. And I've seen, and I've seen um, I think it was a video where you were able to go find some of these plants in urban settings, right? Like you find where they grow kind of in between these very kind of concrete, like, yeah, buildings and metal spaces, all these things that we've, that we've put here. Yeah, I thought it was funny because eventually I'm like, yo, I know exactly where mullen grows here in Brooklyn. And I know exactly where nettles is. And I know where there's a passion flower that's always growing. And I know where these, these two oak trees, like they really start to talk to you. And you when you recognize them, they really become these beautiful markers. Like I even got into this love affair with Brooklyn itself, where I was for a minute there, like I traveled to like Costa Rica and Peru and all that. So I felt the earth and then I come back to Brooklyn and I'm like, I don't feel the earth. The earth is covered in concrete, you know, but little by little, I started hearing it where, where I live is in Prospect Heights and that's on this mound, like the top part of Brooklyn, a high uh, ele elevation. And then it goes straight down. If you go down Flatbush, it goes straight down to where the beach is. You know, so it's like down the mountain where when you're in Peru or Costa Rica, you can feel that down the mountain, but you don't feel it here because it's cars and people. But if you pay attention, you'll start seeing, well, we're going down to the beach, you know, from the top of uh, Grand Army Plaza. And one of the things that kept me sane and healed through this whole moment, like two years of like just complete chaos from a New York City perspective in COVID. Um, was nature. I just went to waterfalls. I went to, you know, hikes. I went to lakes and it was just allowing, it allowed me to, like, I love the fact of feeling like a little ant 
in the crevice of the earth. You know, that everything is like so big. You're like, I'm this tiny little thing. And it made me feel like, wow, I'm so like held. I'm held by her. She's holding me, you know, because like for me, so I went through the wars, went through the pandemic. Now I'm homeschooling my kids, right? So I'm like, no one's holding me. But nature was like, I'm holding you. In the waterfalls, I'm holding you, you know? In the lakes, I'm, it was just like, oh, thank God for nature. Because all this change that everybody, all of us are going through would have been hard, harder, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I think the pandemic, like you said, has really just forced us to to look for how do we like truly how do we survive and I think so much of kind of the way that we had been programmed and I'll speak for myself like just being programmed like this is what you do this is what you do this is like this is the way you live your life like it was speedy it was you know I wasn't super present I'm still you know I'm still working on these things but I know you know like I was just moving so fast yeah and there's something there's the gift in the in the way that the pandemic caused us to really stop and say, wait a second, (laughs) wait a second, you know, like that, the first summer, um, with the combo of, of being locked down, working from home, um, which was definitely a privilege for me. Like I saw the, the yard that, that I was living in an RV and the yard that we were in was like this kind of quote unquote, like uncultivated. Right. So it was just like, what would be called like, like weeds and just like kind of out of control, like grasses and there were so many creatures and grasshoppers and it was just like, wait a second. I never would have stopped to notice this had I been running out the door, running to meetings, you know, going to the gym, like all these things that we're, that we do. So to ask that question of like, what is the pace I'm moving at? You know, Um, how do I get held in this? It's so, so beautiful. Okay, so I do want to ask you to explain dropping seeds a little bit because it was such a joy to get onto the website and just see these blends and how thoughtful you are about about these different plants and how they work together and how you're offering truly medicine to to folks. So can you share a little bit about what what that work is and um, kind of what the gift is for folks to find and explore? So definitely looking back, dropping seeds is like a journal, an herbal journal of like what I've experienced, right? And that first chapter was like, I needed calm and focus. Like now I'm a mom, now I'm still self-employed, I'm a wife, now I have two kids. Like how do you balance being calm and focused in a system (laughs) that's always shifting and stuff? And At the same time, I noticed that so many people were already smoking. Like the reason that people even smoke tobacco is when they're stressed, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I need a cigarette. Oh my God, I need a cigarette. You're already working with a plant and you don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with cannabis. Oh, I'm going to smoke some so I can relax. Well, you think you're working with a plant already. You know, you already have a relationship with plants. And these two plants, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of like, the, the legal part and like social equity part and like the racism part of tobacco yeah, and cannabis, yeah. you know. The commercialization, but, yeah, for sure. Oh my God, we can definitely go down that route. But bringing it back to the actual blends that started popping up was really like this need to 
balance in the dualistic society. So like after common focus came sleep and awake, then um, sun and moon, then his and hers, which then later on we called mask and femme, um, then came relax and think like all these different kind of vibrational frequencies that the plants gave you when you use it as a tea, also when you smoke it, definitely if you smoke it with cannabis uh, as a vape, um, also as an herbal steam, uh, as an herbal bath, because the difference between one and the other was basically what organ you wanted to affect, right? You wanna affect your skin, right? Or you wanna affect like your overall nervous system, then you want a bath, you know? You wanna affect your uh, ability to think, be it slow down from anxiety or speed up in need of, you know, getting something done. You know, you would then smoke it or vaporize it more because it would affect the head cavity. Um, you're feeling very like anxious and like you can't do the deep breath. You would definitely smoke it or do an herbal steam so that it can get into like the chest and stuff. Um, you're nervous and you're like overly anxious and it's like that tummy ache, then you do like the tea so that it affects more the internal core and the intestines and stuff, you know? So that is where that vision came from, you know, where it was like, wow, these plants, you can dance, you can dance different dances with them, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So that, that's where uh, dropping seeds really came through. And now we're like, I think on our 15th blend, the last three blends actually had hemp in it. So we have our own relationship with hemp in the sense that the legalization of hemp here in New York City, you know, the social equity part, where it's just like, are we gonna just repeat what Colorado did where it was just a bunch of non-POC rich white boys that managed to change the rules so that they can create a business that Please people no. of color have been constantly put behind jail. Legalization is a very serious situation here in New York. So that's been the last three blend I've been working on with in concerns of hemp. I don't know. I am curious if that, how that feels is kind of the, yeah, both like you said, a, a social equity issue and also kind of a healing, a healing process in terms of yeah. all of the harm that's been done with the way that we think about and, and really govern and uh, manage and police plants. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about it, tobacco was the first commodification of the earth in the sense of like, hey, there's this plant and we can just like cut it up and just sell it, you know? And if yeah, it wasn't for yeah, tobacco, yeah. not only would the American, the current American economic system exist because it was the tobacco fields that created the financial ability to buy the guns, to buy the wood, blah, 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 blah but it also created the uh, transatlantic slave trade. Like so much history just connected to like a plant, tobacco. With tobacco in particular as a very sacred medicine that has been used and, and abused, I think in our context so much. And so like, how do we remember, remember how to work well with these plants? You know, it's not tobacco is not evil, but big tobacco is evil, you know what I mean? Like, exactly, so like how do we exactly, kind of work exactly. with these realities? Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to grow our own tobacco. And there's actually rules with that in the same way that there's rules about cannabis plants being able to grow the irony in that, right? That two of the most sacred, powerful plants uh, globally, you know, so it's, we just have to grow it again. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, yeah. that would be one way. And then to recognize tobacco for its medicinal qualities, like tobacco is very grounding. That's why 
you're all nervous, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to say, right? Because you're all in your head because you're doing all these calculations of what ifs and what ifs and what ifs and stuff. So when you smoke, you're like, oh, okay, you know? And I think many people also experience tobacco being good for your digestion, that there's people that they need to smoke in order to digest, in order to go to the bathroom because their emotions are so locked up into like knots and nothing can get through. So the tobacco actually like, and the person can then let go of their emotions and also their poop, <laughs> you know? That is just on a physical third dimensional level now. I'm talking about the connection to spirit. Now you're talking about how deep their roots are that they actually like connect to the ancestors. How, you know, it's been, you know, used so many times in connection to speaking to not only our own um, ancestral lineages, but also in a scientific, it also is fumigation. Like tobacco kills the actual little bugs and micros and bacterias around you, same as mugwort, same as sage. Eventually the Western medicine, you know, researches it and puts it into data and quantifies it. And then they're like, oh, the indigenous people are right. It is true that you get blah, 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 blah. Classic. Classic. Gotta <laughs> wait like, until oh. they destroy it through all their labs and tests and make say, oh, guess what we found out? And all the indigenous people are like, oh, we are right. we've known this. We knew this. No, and you yeah. haven't you didn't allow us yeah. to do it. You told us it was exactly. bad. <laughs> yep. And no. then when you legalize it, you'll make sure it's legalized in a way that continues to marginalize and oppress the indigenous religion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just like, what? Wait. <laughs> like, like, it's <laughs> no. <laughs> The lousy conversation has to happen on so many different fronts. Yes, for sure. So dropping seeds started around when, when I got first, when I was pregnant with my son. So he's about to be nine, so nine years ago. Yeah, and it was with my ex-husband. And at that time, we were going down the magic carpet ride of plant medicine. I was about to have my second child. So we tried again in New York in terms of grinding as now a family of four. And for him, he just went back into his own projects. And I just continued dropping seeds, you know. So then we pretty much separated after that he continued projects uh with Growbox, uh with uh, brooklyn solar and so now we're co-parenting you know there's a whole decolonizing thing in terms of relationship yeah. and that idea of like extended or expanded families you know that's something i never experienced for my aunts or uncles it was like if you were divorced that's it you're gone and yeah. never but indigenously wow. speaking you would expand as a family. People didn't create so much limitations to being able to have multiple moms and multiple aunties and multiple yeah. uncles and multiple cousins and multiple brothers. And, you know, there's definitely yeah, that's a lot to beautiful. be said about our family structures that need to be yeah. decolonized. I mean, really, it's a settler colonial project of the family. Yeah. And so I'm curious, yeah, like what are some of the things that you've learned in the process of kind of busting out of that um, that presumed way of being. Well, one person I need to mention is Kim Tallbear. Have you listened to her? Oh my gosh. Brilliant. The, yeah. Always, I was always so grateful as I'm going through this like end of the world pandemic, divorce, Black Lives Matter, trying to move homeschool. Oh my God. She really gave me the vocabulary and the framework to a lot of concepts that kind of like were like, in my brain, but I couldn't put words to it because I had no reference to it. 
you know? So one of the biggest things was that in indigenous cultures, there were no single moms because you were always in relationship with everybody, you know? So it was just like, wait a minute. The, the way that I was told was like, it's just me and my husband, me and my man, that's it. And then you make your kids and that's it. And it's just that. Kim Tallbear, I'll definitely link that. One of my favorite episodes, which is decolonizing sex that she did on all my relations podcast. I think that was 2019. And, yeah. you know, it's just such a, it's such a beautiful conversation and just, I think hits so many layers of, of yep. relationship and how we do relationships and how we think about, you know, I think she even says like, are you single as like a concept of like, no, like nobody's single. Like we're all in Nobody. relations, you know, yeah, like we're exactly. Always in relationships. We're yes, always in exactly. relationships. And, exactly. and not only with, with humans, but with the plants and with the animals, yep. you know, and yep. with the elements, you know? So it's like, yeah. it goes even further than just your partner or your child or your friend you know that's it's really beautiful to hear about that and I appreciate you sharing it because I do think you know again these colonial systems have have put so much shame on us about all these different ways that that Mm -hmm. like break the mold we are we're we're questioning the very nature of the system and that you know the system does not want that um no because it signals it signals its death you know it signals Mm -hmm. that and and the fact that it already is a form of death like it's already a form of 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 death instead of life and your work just continually reminds us like look there's life here look there's life here yeah I mean another I think piece of knowledge that got lost with colonization was um the woman's menstrual cycle like the information behind that yeah. and the beauty behind that and the conversation behind it, you know, so I think that's another topic in terms of medicine and education that needs to be decolonized. Yeah. And, and I think especially with uh, the menstrual cycle, I think a lot about these ideas of what is dirty, what is unclean, uh, yeah. what should be yeah. hidden away. So yeah. What is, what are one of some of the ways that you think about our cycles as, as being brought more into our conversations and into the open. Um, and one indigenous culture, when they would basically use um, sponges, um, like they, they would get from like the lakes and stuff. And that's how it would be like, kind of like a tampon. And in those sponges, you, it was a honor for you to give it to your sister or your friend to go clean it for you. It was an honor, right? And then when, you know, colonization happened and they pretty much took all the indigenous children and put them in these boarding schools, it completely shifted. You weren't allowed to do that. You were, you know, uh, treated very badly physically and and emotionally uh, in terms of the menstrual cycle. You know, it was taught the the Christian that like, this is your, how do you call it? What do they call it? That (laughs) is our curse, our our punishment, our like, and it's like, no, it's our gift. What are you talking about? It's our superpower, it's our creation ability, you know, our manifestation ability, our ability to create everything that's around us. It's that energy. That's what that female yang energy is, you know, so creation. Yeah. I, when I was living in the RV for three years, I remember uh, we used a compost toilet We because we weren't hooked up to city sewer or anything like that. Uh, we were off the grid a little bit. We used electricity, but, um, but I learned, you know, very, very early on, I remember thinking, you know, like, okay, so what do I do with my period and ended up learning to collect the blood and give it to plants. Yep. And I was like, what? Like, why? I mean, I, I actually get really excited about compost toilets because <laughs> it's just, it's like one of those things that 
is make you, you, like you're, you don't you don't question the the like modern ceramic toilet and then you start to think like wait all of this water all this like and 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 especially like the knowledge we had about what to do with what we now think of as waste the, and as problematic. The knowledge that you know? many indigenous cultures worldwide had, many indigenous yes, cultures worldwide had yes. in terms of compost in order to survive. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's and a it's a cycle, experience. right? It's, yep, a, it's, exactly. it's a cycle, it's sharing, it's, it's yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> in the um, in the Mesoamerican tradition, um, the, the Aztecs have an actual, a goddess who is the goddess of excrement, waste and compost. And I'm like- <laughs> Yes, hell yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Open. Open. like that's it's, sacred that is so sacred it is it is so sacred because so I've been also studying Ayurveda and pooping is basically you being able to understand it's like a <laughs> it's like a, a, a test sheet that's coming out of the person so that you can understand what's happening <laughs> with the person <laughs> you know like like, like the printer dry. testing yeah like the printer <laughs> giving you that status update that's the poop you know, and I don't, I think it was when I, when I became pregnant that I spoke so much about poop because when you become a mom, you're always talking about your kid's poop with whoever you leave your kid with or like, oh, he did poop today or he didn't poop today or the poop is bad or the, it's just, I never spoke so much about poop. Now, fast forward, I, I don't have to change my kid's diapers anymore. In Ayurveda, it's all about poop. Like, how is the poop coming out? like deep uh, yeah stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for living in an RV and having to figure out like what do we do with this and, no, and realizing like, oh it's actually really useful it's <laughs> you know? black like, gold it's black gold <laughs> if done right you know that's what they call it if it's done right yeah yes oh my gosh right, because if if right now the quality of our soil is so bad. There's so mm -hmm. many reports about how the quality of our topsoil and people are just like, whatever. It's like, no, no food is like no life. You know, we can't eat astronaut food. That's not going to keep us alive. We have it. If you eat astronaut food, you then have to take astronaut medicine. <laughs> you then have to oh. take an astronaut system. You have to participate in that because you're not e equipped enough you're dependent on this chemistry project to keep you safe, <laughs> you know? I mean, sure, we can eat astronaut food, but is that, the, is that the future we want? Is that what we want to pass down, you know, seven or more generations? Like, no, no, yeah. like, yeah. We, none, yeah. like, like, you know, I think it's, it's so interesting because, you know, people talk about being foodies and, you know, all the Instagram posts of, of food and we don't, we forget to think about all of the connectedness. Like you said, that the plants are alive, that the things that we enjoy are, are part of a, a interconnected world and we can't keep doing what we're doing and, and live this life, you know? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It actually kind of prompted me to ask you something. I just thought about this, um, yeah, I'm curious, how do you think about kind of pain and suffering in terms of relationships with plants? And, you know, of course, there's the kind of the the thought that that I come up with first, which is like, oh, if there's an ailment, then we treat it. But that's this like biomedical like culture of like, there's a problem, you fix it. There's a symptom, you, you somehow get that out of the way, right? Like you stop pain. And I, from what I understand about a lot of plant medicine is it's not always just this like numbing out of what we feel. It's not always like getting rid of this. It's a lot, it seems like there's a, something a lot deeper. So can you share a little bit about how you think about, yeah, pain, suffering, you know, all these different layers? Oh, 
I know it's one of those things that I'm, I'm grateful I've learned so much of it, but I'm also, oh my God, I've learned so much of it. There's so much for everyone, right? So much grieving, so much pain, so much loss, so much change um, that has happened. So it's really, I remember even saying, my God, this is like a great time to really focus on how people process pain, how people process grieving, you know? Um, and so I think there's that, the way I visualize it is that there's definitely different uh, levels and you have your third dimensional level, right? Like where the physical pain is being held, but then you have like your fourth level, which is like kind of the story that is kind of like playing in your mind, right? Um, and then you have like a fifth level, a story of back in the days that you physically weren't even there for, but your parents and your great grandparents or anybody else had, you know? So it's like different layers of energies of that just actually in the third dimension just can accumulate. And from what I see, just like a plant, there's that grow and death cycle and our bodies do that too all the time. We can heal ourselves. We have that ability to keep healing, 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 you know? It, so what ends up happening, I'm noticing is that the pain from these stories, be it your own or your ancestral story, start lodging in your body. And if we don't process them, then we can't, like, we, we can't move forward. And what Western medicine does is that the symptom from that lodging of the energy in your body, whatever that symptom is, like high blood pressure or, or high cholesterol or so on and so forth, the symptom is, is, is attacked right? Like Western medicine is so amazing and smart and capable of like doing everything. It attacks the symptom. But why that symptom even happens, it like, it never addresses it, you know? So what plants do is that it affects the why. The plants allow you to counter it and be able to, you have, still have to face it, you know? In Western medicine, you don't got to face it, just cut it off. But in indigenous medicine, you have to face it in the plant allows you that's why people love cannabis right it allows you to face life in a way you know so that's that's the beauty of the plants but you still got to fix the problems the plants won't fix the problems for you right is again it's not like objectifying it right as as mm -hmm. the thing that you, the pill that you pop <laughs> yeah you can Which it is... doesn't it doesn't work anymore those pills are is... not working yeah exactly exactly it's um yeah it's a beautiful and complicated answer that you just gave in terms of yeah that decolonizing even the way that we think about the roots the roots of our of our connectivity to one another right it's it, we can't just think about the surface level manifestations of our anxiety um it's a much deeper 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 work <laughs> and in some ways it's good news because I don't know about you but all the ways I try to treat my anxiety on the surface like it's not working you know <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like okay good there's there are other ways there are other ways um there are many you know, ways and, yeah there are many ways and in our in our society so much of the so many of those ways uh get put back on us as kind of a, a moral failing or an individual problem mm -hmm. you know and it's like wait a second there's so much more going on here and how do i bring in the you know plant relatives ancestors you know spirits to into this into this work into this way of being alive one thing that I wanted to ask you about is this idea of sacred plants, because mm -hmm. I think when we talk about sacred plants and plant medicine, it's easy in um, 
our colonial framework to kind of do this dual this duality of like sacred not mm -hmm. sacred and it's mm -hmm. not that you know other plants aren't sacred but i'm mm -hmm. curious about maybe particular plants that um that in certain times or places or moments kind of become particularly powerful teachers so can you kind of clarify like how to think about uh, yeah the sacredness of of certain plants or the gifts of certain plants uh, that maybe kind of get more attention or have a stronger impact than others? Um, well, I do believe all plants are sacred. There's no way around. All plants are sacred. Now, the story behind it, like its personality, like the way the rumor of the plant, that's what changes, right? Like some plants are considered hallucinogenic and their quality is just kind of watered down such as that hallucinogenic perspective and they don't understand that there's these other levels of energy vibrations happening and some are stronger than others for sure and then there's also brews you know that mixtures of plants that create a chemical reaction in your body that then reacts to all these like serotonin and cortisone and I also think our ability to even like see colors more and hear more and just our senses are amplified, you know, um, which is that it's not, you know, kind of not measurable, it's not tangible, but it's literally around here, you know, the colors just amplified, the songs just became stories in my head, you know, like it's real, even though it's not tangible, you know, so um, the other part is ritual, you can't just do these plants without the ritual. I, I can, but this is me coming from like first time I did tabs acid was when I was 13, you know, and it always was like, because I've always been creative. So it's like, oh my God, the pretty colors and stuff like that. And then I ended up going to Burning Man and it was even more like, oh shit, it's even bigger. And then plant medicine, I get to it and I'm like, oh, you all have been trying to tell me messages all this time. And I didn't know you were trying to talk to me. I thought I was just like, oh, I have to have fun. But no, you've been trying to talk to me. Let me listen. <laughs> and, then, and then that listening is where you get lots of guidance and really things change, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, we all have this journey together. So it's nobody trying to get to the finish line first with the most accolades of healing capabilities. <laughs> not the same it's not the same way to, to play the game it's a different it's a different playground <laughs> it's a different, it is the game different is a way different to show playground up. the rules are completely different it's not the i'm gonna get to the top of the mountain first you know it's not that it's it's not working <laughs> it's just not okay so i have two i think only two more questions than anything else that you feel like we haven't gotten to the first one is if there's anything you're listening to reading or experiencing that you'd recommend that other folks check out as part of kind of learning on this decolonial journey? Well, I spoke about Kim Talbert before. Um, that's definite. You have to listen to her. Also, the All My Relations, another podcast that is amazing um, to listen to. Um, there was also, I think the first book, I actually have it. Give me one second. And um, it's called God is Red. Yes. Oh my gosh. I have mine right next to me too. <laughs> All right. It's just, it's yes. just the first time I heard a different perspective on society that was in Western. You know? I'm so glad you mentioned that book. It's so, so yeah. foundational. 
Yeah. I think that book really allows us because I'll speak to so many friends and family and acquaintances and they're just like, but this is how it always was. And it's like, it's not, it wasn't. This is not how it's always been. You know, they, they, they whitewashed history. They fully whitewashed history and they fully whitewashed um, cultures. You know, I can definitely yep. even say that with the Latino culture, they whitewashed us completely, completely. You know, and it's kind of like, yeah. that's why they even called us Latinos or Hispanics, so that we exactly associate to the indigenous land that we are living on. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. So, yeah, so, so glad. that's one. And then yeah, a bookstore in Brooklyn called Mil Mundos. And you can buy their books online. And it's all about Black and Latin and Latinx and indigenous culture and so on and so forth. Yeah, oh, a lot yay. of books that um, really opened up my way of seeing, of there being a different way of seeing things yeah. that have come from there. Oh, it's so good, it's so good. And everything that you've shared is both reminding us of the urgency of, of this work of decolonization and also the gift and the beauty and the joy that is in it, you know? I feel like it's something that people of different backgrounds can agree on. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. I've seen it when in groups of different ways of praying have come together and they're all agreeing yeah. on, they, they might not use the word decolonize, but they're clearly yeah. saying the Western mindset is not working. We need to shift. We need to change. I mean, I think one of the last thing would be that if, if there is no evolution, it's clear that we're going to go into some type of revolution. Like we have to evolve and indigenously speaking, evolution meant that you looked at your children and you acknowledged their brilliance and everybody had a position in society and they were, there was a reason for them to be here. And there, you almost didn't look down at them. You looked up at them, right? In Western culture, it's like the kid don't know anything. We got to teach it everything you know, and we're the ones who are right. You just listen to us. So if we don't evolve that, yeah, people are going to revolt, you know, and many different perspectives are going to revolt. So we have to evolve. And I think one of the biggest things of evolution is, you know, unity and diversity. We have to be diverse. The plants tell us yes. that. The plants yes. show us that. We yes. have to. You can't survive the changes in the forest if there's no diversity and all the plants talking to each other saying, hey, this is what you got to do. This is happening. Da, 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 da. That's what we have to yes. do. We have to follow yes. their lead, you know? So, yeah, I think the plants are here to help us. Many indigenous cultures say that that's the name. Plants are here to help us because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have clothing. We wouldn't have medicine. We wouldn't have food. We wouldn't have shelter. We wouldn't have nothing, 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 nothing. So they're still here to help us evolve right now. Um, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Oh, well, thank you for the ways you're doing it. Thank you for teaching me and us so much today and sharing in this journey. Um, thank oh, this you. was fun. This was fun this because so this was fun. great to be able to express and to share and to know that it's going to keep spreading and going because, yeah, we have to evolve yeah. for sure. I feel the resonance. I feel the resonance. Wow. Well, thank you all again for listening. It was such a gift to listen to this episode and edit it. And I hope it was a gift for you as well today. And I can definitely say that the tea has been lovely. 
beautiful, energizing, uh, truly some sun energy as I finish editing this episode. As a reminder, be sure to go to Dropping Seeds, dropping-seeds.com to check out the amazing collection of herbal blends, an amazing decolonization t-shirt, just lots of good stuff. I've really enjoyed uh, the Femme and Mask blends as well as Sink and Deep. So if you're looking for some wonderful, cultivated, cared for plant relatives to bring into your home, into your body, I definitely recommend you check out Dropping Seeds. Okay, it's so weird to do this. I don't love to do it, but I'm going to just say that if anyone out there would like to support the next stage in my journey in applying to a handful of PhD programs, I do welcome your financial support for that process. It's scary, it's expensive, it's labor intensive. Um, and I'm trying to be brave and invite folks in to this process. Thank you so much, everyone. Hopefully more coming soon, at least after this hefty final fall semester of my master's degree. Let's go forth and decolonize everything. Mm-hmm.